Blog Talk Radio. Disciplines your life like vision. And discipline is simply defined as self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. Again, discipline is defined as self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. I'm talking now about self-discipline. All leaders have to have the quality of self-discipline. You are not a leader if you are not self-disciplined. Now, self-discipline implies that there are other disciplines. In other words, discipline externally is considered other discipline. A leader doesn't need much discipline from the outside. They self-impose discipline on themselves. And that is what we call self-discipline. Now, the key to achieving your vision is discipline. And this scripture found in Proverbs 29, we read it early this week. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Blessed is the man who keeps the law. A little definition here of what that means. Where there is no vision, people throw off restraint. That's what that word perish means. It means to throw off self-control. In other words, where there is no revelation of the future, people throw off self-discipline. So the key to your life is finding a vision that imposes discipline on you. In essence, vision is the source of discipline. I'll explain discipline in a minute, what, what, what it means, how it works. Discipline is the root of leadership. It actually is the, the very nature that attracts people to you. A disciplined person naturally begins to attract people because people admire discipline in other people. That's why we go to see athletes perform. We really admire the discipline that they put themselves through. If you do the same thing as a person, people will then begin to believe what you say. Your very life of discipline creates trust. People trust a person who they perceive to be disciplined. This is why athletes also are used to promote and advertise and market products. People, they are selling the discipline of that athlete. Okay? Not their fame, but their discipline. We think it's the discipline, I mean it's the fame, it's actually a discipline. We think that if we wear Nike shoes, we will jump like Mike. Okay? So the, the idea that they sold us was, if you want to be like Mike, now you know 180 pounds and some chitlins, you cannot be like Mike. But you still buy the Nike shoes because the idea is what you're wearing. So you're buying the discipline that he has in his life that produce the kind of professional athleticism that he is known for. And so you are really um, impacted by the discipline. Uh, we love to watch sports and not play it. <laughs> Why? We admire those athletes because of their discipline. The same thing is true about you. If you remain consistent and disciplined in your life, you'll find people will come just to watch you. And they'll want to actually pay to watch you. They bring their offerings and their tithes to watch you do what you do. It's incredible. So discipline is powerful 
And according to the Bible, discipline comes from vision. Vision. A man or woman without a clear vision for their lives lives a very loose life. But a man with a vision, they live a very narrow life. Very important. The disciplined people live very narrowly. When a man or woman has a vision, their life becomes very, very tight. Why? Because vision simplifies life. What do I mean by this? Again, it'll take a couple of days to teach this, but it's very important. When you capture a vision, it simplifies everything. Everything. Because vision controls all of your choices after that. Once you know where you're going, you also automatically know what roads won't take you there. You understand that statement? So if, 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 if you know what to do, you automatically know what you shouldn't do. Vision defines your what to do in life. Because vision gives you your address, your permanent address. It shows you your destination, where we get our word destiny from. Your destiny dictates your decisions. Write it down. Your destiny dictates your decisions. So life becomes simple. Uh, if someone offers you something and it doesn't uh, collaborate in its unity with your vision, it's easy to say no. See, but without a vision, it's tough for you to refuse things. Life becomes complicated. Let's take another thought here and see if we can push this a little further. You were not born to do everything. Say amen. Boys, I'm so glad when the Lord told me that. I said, oh, thank you. The pressure is off. We somehow have this attitude that we have a lot of things to do in life. I disagree. I used to think so myself. You don't have a lot to do in life. Isn't that wonderful? When you study people who have been successful in their lives and eventually became influential, like Moses, Joseph, Joshua, David, Paul, Jesus, Abraham, Lincoln, Abraham himself. I mean, all these people, you think their lives are they're very simple people. Very simple people. There's a term that is normally associated with them. Here's, here's a term. This one thing I do. See, you've got to get to the point where you're only living for one thing. And life becomes simple. People who discovered vision, they live longer. They live healthier. There's no stress. Stress comes from not knowing what to do. You remember the story of Matthew, I mean Martha rather, and Mary. Jesus said something to Martha that changed my life. Let me talk about Martha for a couple of minutes. Martha's an interesting woman. Martha is like most of us. We live on assumptions. Even of God. Martha had a visitation from God. He came to visit her house. Guess what she did? She assumed he was hungry. See, that's the problem. We think we know what God wants us to do. One thing you learn from this summit so far is that vision is from God. You don't tell him what you are going to do. You've got to report to him, submit to him, 
and stay still until you are clear of the revelation. <laughs> because without that revelation, there is no self-discipline. Martha ended up cooking for God and he wasn't hungry. And then she became angry because other people were not joining her in her busyness, which was not appropriate. <laughs> in other words, she tried to get other people involved in things that was not God's will at the time. I wonder if you're doing that. Martha proceeded to cook for God. And then she came to God and says, look, why don't other people come and help me? Send my sister to help me. Now the answer Jesus gave you must study. It was a leadership answer. He said, Martha, you are so busy about many things. Tell your neighbor, I think that's me. If that's what your life is like. All of you who have known me for the past 20 years, you know that I, have, I haven't changed. I've grown, but I haven't changed. There's a difference between growing and changing. I grow in my knowledge, in my experience, in my experience, but I haven't changed. I am still the same guy with the same message. Same intent. That makes my life simple. He says, you're busy about so many things. You're trying to do everything. You're trying to be everybody and trying to be everything to everybody. And then he said to her, Martha, big words, only few things are necessary. <laughs> well, that's a beauty, eh? He said, look, life is filled with a million questions every day and a million things to do. He said, but only few things are really necessary to do in life. Let me ask you a question. Are the things
time for Jessica and Tasia on Hindsight Radio. Hey. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Divine Connection Show, where we want to divinely connect with you. This is Jessica. And Tasia. How's everyone doing out there? Happy Thursday. Hope all is well. We've been doing okay. Yeah. It's been a rainy. And, you know, we're putting our green thumb to the test. We are still, we have our beet lettuce growing um, and our green onion growing. We're doing very well. Yes. And let's see. Um, you have some flowers that bloom. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know the name I of the flowers. The aloe vera plant. And yes. I don't know what the other one is. I know. That's Mother's Day. That blooms. It's pretty. Yeah, we had bulbs that boomed. So, you know, leaves doing well. Yeah. You know, so we're just working that out. Um, we'll be talking more about plants and gardening and homesteading. We'll get to that a little later. We have a guest today. But before that, Tasia wanted to... Um, Share a little something. Yes. So with this planting and gardening, it was a few things that I came across um, in preparation for today. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was seeds. Seeds just kept on sticking out to me. And seeds, I was thinking from natural to spiritual seeds, now, spiritual seeds, they first, they start out as ideas and words, and then after that, it manifests in the natural. So everything begins with a thought. Even an invention, that was a thought. It mm-hmm. was planted in somebody's head. Um, even like even Walt Disney was a thought. And with that seed, Walt Disney grew to be huge worldwide. Mm -hmm. So before anything could actually, like, ever naturalize and materialize in the physical, it has to be a seed. Um, And your thoughts, they shape your life. You are whatever you think. Mm -hmm. So we have to constantly be mindful of what we allow in our spirits and what we allow in our minds. Mm-hmm. And to quickly pass down those thoughts that exalt itself above the knowledge and the wisdom of God. So I came across a scripture, it's Ecclesiastics 11.6, and it reads, In the morning, Sow thy seed, and in the evening without hold, not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether either this or that shall prosper, or whether they both shall be alike good. Now, I'm thinking, and when we wake up in the morning, it's important that we plant those seeds in our heads soon as we wake up. A practice that I like to use when I wake up 
is immediately just write down um, things that are on my mind. And when it comes to goal setting and accomplishing goals, I write down my goals in the morning of what I want to accomplish that day. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, I am constantly aware of what I need to get done. So those are the C's. This is just an example. Yeah, um, the affirmations that you do. Affirmations. If you can remember to do it. I mean, sometimes, I know I miss some days, but it, I think that's very important to do every morning. Sets the tone, just like what you say you do. Mm-hmm. Sets the tone for your day, which eventually becomes your successful life. Yeah, those thoughts, they manifest, right? They manifest, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah those affirmations are there. Can't stress that enough. It's actually, it's effective. And um, in the evening, don't withhold thy hand. So plant those seeds in the evening as well. And the practice that I do in the evening, um, just to reflect on what I got done. And it's okay if you don't get everything done. Just Or if everything didn't go according to plan. To reevaluate and to go on and uh, finish that. And um, after I reflect, I write down what I want to do in the morning. Okay. So that is my evening seed. Whether it prosper, whether or not, both both will prosper. But mm-hmm. as what the word says, to sow those seeds. All right, so as well as surrounding um, the topics that we're we're doing with uh, being eco-friendly and gardening, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, okay, so how could this correlate with spiritually our growth? And there are factors when you're planting. Um, factors of growth, and the first one, first factor is temperature, second factor is nutrients, third factor is water, and the last factor is light. Mm -hmm. Now, with the temperature, it's important that we actively work toward being on fire and not letting our fire burn out. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a scripture in Revelation 3, 15 through 16. This version, I actually did write down what it was. It's New Living Translation that I'm reading from. It says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So God does not want us to be if in the middle. It's a scale, hot or cold. Mm-hmm. And we want to be hot. Because if you think about it, when you're exercising um, and you're trying to lose weight, 
it takes a while for you to warm up, right? Yes. But if you keep on going, keep on going, when you start working out, you're not supposed to stop. Because if you do, then you'll cool down, and then you'll have to start again. So with losing weight and exercising, you have to actively continue to exercise, actively continue to do to do things to help your you lose weight, to help you lose fat, to burn fat. And your body temperature has to be at a certain temperature in order to do this, in order to burn off these calories. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're continuously and actively working to mature yourself, to improve in yourself, to stay on the right path, you have to constantly do this every day mm-hmm. so that you will not be lukewarm, so that you won't know sometimes be, okay, I'm going to work on my business stuff today or I'm going to work on this whole process of being private. You have to actively, continuously do this. Oh, you're working to get your family to a certain place. Don't let that die off because once you just, for a moment off of it, it's hard to get back in it. Right. And then one thing, momentum is going one thing after another, and it's the motivation is lacking in that. So continue to check off those goals. Continue to strive to accomplish your dreams. Continue to try to be the best self that you can be. Mm-hmm. To become that fully, that mature person, that that fully, that perfect person. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your fire. To okay. Continue. So the first point you said was temperature. So mm-hmm. temperature. And the next one will be the next one is nutrients. Now, um, to nurture is the process of caring or encouraging and encouraging the growth and development of someone or something. Mm-hmm. So encourage your development. Invest in things that will help you to become better, to help you grow, to help you to get from one place to another, whether that is resources that you have from within or outside resources. Search for those things that you need to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And typically, we need resources on the outside to get mm-hmm. them within, you know, right. knowledge and um, actual resources from other people or other things mm-hmm. to help nurture the process. So, Yes, and um, you have to be careful also of what you let nurture you. So... Every everything is not for you. Everything is not beneficial to your growth process. That's true. So make sure that you have wise counsel. Ask for guidance from God to direct you to the right people, to the right processes, to the right things. And um also, just be careful of what you feed yourself, that it's nourishment to your process, and that it's not 
it's not going to tear you down. Just like just like food, you know the right things you put in your body. You know what things that will harm your body. Mm-hmm. The next is water. Now, in the Bible, water is a symbol of purification, cleansing. Um, and this is by being in the presence of your creator to unpollute your mind. Again, we talked about spiritual detoxes. We talked about what we need to do to spiritually detox, whether it's med- meditation, um, fasting. fasting, whether actual detoxing, actual detoxing, because that mm-hmm. does have an effect on your body and your mind. Right. And what's in your mind? Our minds are so such a spiritual, yeah. spiritual entity. It's just such a our mind is so important. Mm-hmm. And um. As long as you you got you got to keep your thoughts aligned. Mhm. And um, the next is this the last? Yeah, this is the ne- the next and the last point that I have. Uh, not going to be with you guys long today because we have a guest speaker today, so I'm really excited. Um, but the last one is light, and light stimulates growth. Light will direct your path. Be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Light is the instruction. Light is the truth. Um, There's a scripture um, that I came across with light. Uh, James 1 and 17. Let me look that up. Did I put it down? Okay, no, I didn't. It's right here. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, gifts. Every every good and perfect gift. And when you look at gifts, God gives you your gifts. He gives you tools that you need to reach your destiny, to become fully mature. Now, good, when you look it up in the Greek, good is a benefit. Good is producing good in effect. Um, and when you look up perfect in the Greek, it's completeness. Perfect is not being perfect all the time. Perfect is maturity and completeness and variations of um, an application of your of labor, growth, uh, mental and moral character. Maturity, coming to your full age, to full growth, wanting nothing to be complete. And then for, I look, heavenly and other versions, heavenly light or um, other versions, it says father of light. God is the creator of every good and perfect gift. He is the creator of light. Light, it shines or it manifests. 
light is the truth in its knowledge. Together with spirituality, purity is associated with it. Light exposes and and reveals all. It can view it all, openly and publicly. Light is the power of understanding. Yeah, so your spirit and mind, you need insight and wisdom. Do this by educating yourself, reading books, reading the Bible, searching for answers. If you do not, if you do not read, if you do not study, you will not grow. If you do not ask God to reveal, to give you revelation, you'll stay stagnant. You'll stay, and you will, your mind will deteriorate, and you will go backwards. So you have to continue to exercise. Or stay stagnant. You have to continue to exercise uh, your mind. So with that, I I believe I'm finished. I just wanted to share a little bit. of what I came across. Well, that was good. I like how you incorporated all of that into what we're talking about, um, planting and, yeah, and growth and temperature, mm-hmm. all of that. Good job. Yeah, it's important for growth. We all trying to out here. We're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to grow. Okay. Well, we have our guest today. Her name is Octavia Crawford. She is an Ohio native and owner of Harmony Marie Homestead. She strives to inspire others to grow their own food, to embrace the basics in life, and to be good stewards of our resources. She hopes to one day expand her small business by teaching others about gardening and by selling her homemade products. Some quirky facts about Octavia was reading and fishing. Those are two of her favorite pastimes, and she believes everyone should have a garden and a pet. So, welcome, Octavia. We are excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. So, I know you are an expert to me when it comes to uh, gardening and having your own, because you have a garden and you also raise chickens, Yeah. right? And you live in the city. You do not live in the country. You do not live on a farm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Just about um, starting, how I started? Yeah. So I started when I bought my home. It's been almost 12 years. Mm -hmm. I know. (laughs) And um, the first thing I did before even unpacking any boxes was the first warm day I put a tomato plant and a green pepper plant in the yard. (laughs) And and they flourished. And so um, I was raised with, you know, growing vegetables and things like that. But um, my grandfather, my grandmother came over to the house. My grandfather was like, so you're just going to dig holes in the yard? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, well, how small do you want your garden? It's not how small, it's how big. (laughs) So that's kind of how I got started, and I've had a garden every year. That is amazing. So now it's grown from just tomatoes and cream peppers, right? Yes. (laughs) What else? 
um, I grow things like other than the tomatoes, um, green peppers, um, green beans, cucumbers, uh, greens like collard greens, kale, mustard greens, onions, beets, um, carrots, bruh. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of this in your yard. That's amazing. What drew me the most? What impressed me the most was when you say you were getting some chickens, when you went and got chicks, little baby chicks. Can you tell us about that? Uh, so uh, what inspired me, I was just thinking about, like, oh, that would be nice to have some animals. And um, so I was, like, set on having chicks, and it never raised chickens in my life. And I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> and I went on to the hatchery site. And uh, God made it to where there was a lady on the hatchery site that um, her, you know, the little pop-up windows. Mm-hmm. It was like, what are you looking for today? How can yeah. I help you? And I was just okay. like, I'm looking for baby chicks. And she's like, have you ever done this before? What kind of chicks do you want? And I just told her I'm a beginner. And she started telling me about her farm. And I was like, let me step out of myself. And I said, so can I come to your place and learn to do chicken chores and make sure that this is something I want to do? And she said, yeah. And me and my nephew went and we learned from someone who was willing to take a chance to teach me. So, yeah. So how many chickens do you have? Right now I have five. <laughs> and they're, they're, they all have names. <laughs> what are their names? Um, so I have um, Chloe, Rosalie. Um, Starlet, Beretta, and Ruby. Okay. So are these chickens, will you ever eat them, or are they just for eggs? These ones are just for eggs. They have names, so they're, they're not food. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, but they'll be good for um, not just laying eggs, but if I ever wanted to raise, like, baby chicks, they're good mothers. So what we call um, two of them are really broody hands. And what I mean by that is they have that natural maternal instinct to hatch eggs and raise them and teach them how to, you know, um, take care of themselves and things like that. So you said a broody hen. So how do you know that they're broody? Oh, okay. <laughs> There's two ways to learn, the easy way and the hard way. The easy way is to um, is to read and look on YouTube and find out what it means by a broody hen. Or you can learn the hard way like I did where um, you have a chicken that sits on the nest and she will not move. And when you go to try and move her to collect eggs, she pecks you. <laughs> so when she started pecking you, what were you just like, well, like what? Like why are you yeah. pecking me? I was like, this this is not good. And it took for my, my oldest nephew, Joshua, to be like, Auntie, I read about this. He was like, that is her natural instinct. He was like, so we, we have to break her brood which means we have to get her to not be that way because she'll sit on the eggs until the eggs hatch. But, you know, they weren't going to hatch. So um, he's like, we have to break her brood. And I said, okay, we'll figure it out. So we waited till nighttime, and we moved her and grabbed all the eggs that we could. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. So I know when you went to get your plate, were the chicks already hatched or were they eggs? So they, they have a hatching day. When you order them from um, the hatchery, they have a hatching day. And so um, when you get them, they are baby chicks. Mm-hmm. But because I was brand new and I was traveling, I had a friend, uh, Miss Sarah, who uh, basically had them. She got them for me, and she kept them until I was able to come back in town and get them. But, yeah. Okay. So didn't you have a rooster? 
I did have a rooster. <laughs> you didn't know it was a rooster because it was so small? Small, exactly. Okay. So initially, um, it's kind of hard for you to tell when you have baby chicks if it's a hen or a rooster. And how you start to tell is about maybe maybe about 16, 18 weeks, when about 16, 18 weeks old, you notice the tail feathers do something different. Okay. And then you start hearing this noise <laughs> about 4 o'clock in the morning, and then you know you have a rooster. Okay. <laughs> so it was crowing. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. And it was early in the morning, about 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So you there are regulations in the city, right? Because you're in the city, just a regular home with her own yard. So when you – what is the process? Because we just can't go out and say we want – chickens, right? Correct. And so what is the process? I know for Ohio, I mean, yes. Is it different from all states or you just, okay, so. It's even, it's different in states and it's also different in like different cities and townships. Mm -hmm. So um, part of my township is considered like Clinton Township. Mm -hmm. And, um, but in Franklin County, you can have chickens. They do require you to have a permit. And part of that permit process, um, you cannot have a rooster, but part of that permit process, um, you fill out an application and you send in an application fee, and then they have someone that comes out, they discuss with you the type of housing that they require in the city, um, restrictions on how close or how far from the fencing that it needs to be, what type of floor it needs to have. Um, and it, it kind of helps with uh, neighbors because you have neighbors that are so close. It helps with the complaints for that, but also um, with rodents because if you book just any old chicken house, you're going to attract um, possums and uh, wow. raccoons and different things like that. So they try and um, have the restrictions, uh, unit, like, set. And then they come out, they come out to your property, um, they ask you questions, there is classes, there are classes you do have to take, uh, make, you know how to take care of chickens, you know about proper sanitation wow. practices. There's classes you have to take. There's classes you have to take, and it's just online because they, they talk to you about these things because you have to understand, can my two-year-old handle the chicken eggs? They're not supposed to handle chicken eggs, they're not supposed to handle chickens um, because of different bacteria. So you have to know and uh, present system that you know, like how to take care of these, you know, these chickens, and it's not going to get hard, and then they got random chickens running around the neighborhood, so <laughs> they're very particular about that, so after they do that, they ask you about um, where do you want your chicken house, if it's already set up, what they do is they, um, they do an evaluation, if it isn't, they kind of give you pointers about the things that they're looking for, uh, things you need to change, and then once you have it set up and your chickens are in the place, they come back out and they do like a home inspection and make sure that it still meets all the requirements and things like that. So, um, okay. So do they come out randomly? Like, do they still inspect after you yeah. um, have your inspection and it's a go-to? Like, okay, you're good to go. You got the green light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the permits are about every four years. They you renew them every four years. Um, they come out before then if there's any complaints. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so wait, but your your rooster. Your rooster. You said there we can't have roosters. So what did you do with your real rooster? Uh, so after uh, realizing that it was not a hen and it was a rooster, um, I had to call my friend Sarah and say, Sarah, I have a rooster. And she's like, oh, my goodness. All right, bring them back to me. And um, he had a mate. So he is with his mate, and they live um, in Delaware County with a little girl who 
she shows him at fairs and different things like that. Oh. So he's living the good life. Okay. okay. <laughs> See, that was going to be my question, but you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What did she do with her rooster? So he's he's at fairs and stuff because why? He's what's so special about him? He's actually a gorgeous rooster. He's a, a smaller, like a almost kind of like a bantam breed rooster, but his most gorgeous rooster. Feathers. Yes, his tail feathers are like a maroon and uh, like a brown and black. Just the most gorgeous rooster I've ever seen. Okay. Um, so he he was in the Delaware Fair last year okay. and the year before. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I was going to ask you another question about the chicken. I kind of want to get off of it though because okay. we can be here all day yeah. or all night. Um, but. So, well, I do need to ask you this because it's a real question I have. So, when it comes to your eggs, and if your hen, if you don't have a rooster, how can your eggs from your broody hens, mm-hmm. how can they hatch? They or won't hatch. They won't hatch. Yeah. Okay. So, hens are like, uh, just like uh, human females, we are born with a set number of eggs. That's just how it is. And they're born uh, with a set number of eggs. And, unfortunately, they go into labor every single day. Uh, <laughs> you give them a break in the winter time. <laughs> um, yes. yes. So, um, and how um, baby chicks come about is when you have a rooster, you can tell he'll mate with, um, if you have one rooster, maybe five or six hens, and he'll mate with those five or six hens. And he fertilizes the eggs. And so okay. that's how you'll get your baby chicks. But okay. even those eggs you can still eat if you refrigerate them and put them up and no one's sitting on them. But, yeah, without a rooster, okay. you don't have any live chicks. <laughs> okay. All right. So that will be a thing that I will be afraid of. Um, okay. So in the span of your whole gardening process, um, I know you're big on going green and things like that. Uh, but first, I did get some questions, kind of like the same question a couple times from last week when I was talking about composting. Uh-huh. And there's someone that wanted to know what is composting. Can you touch on that? Okay, so composting is uh, it's pretty much mimicking nature's way of breaking down things. You know, in nature, um, when a tree loses a limb or it loses its leaves, it's just like, oh, I have to go throw that in the landfill. It, it falls at its, at its base, and it naturally breaks down. And it breaks down by um, natural bacteria and fungi that breaks it down and puts the nutrients back into the soil. So that is what composting is, but you're speeding up that process. Mm-hmm. So you're adding things like um, your greens, um, or which we call nitrogen. Um, so like your uh, vegetables, uh, scraps, grass clippings, um, things like that. And then you're mixing it with carbon, which is like um, leaves, uh, tree limbs, Toilet sometimes. Yes, things like that. Wow. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of those things. And what you do is you're mixing those things and adding water, and then as you're turning it, it's adding oxygen. So it needs all four of those elements to kind of help speed up the process so the bacteria and fungus can break down something that was once living, and it puts the nutrients back into the soil. So that is what composting is. Okay. All right. Good. Thanks for that. That was very in-depth, just straight to the point. Um, so... Um, your chickens help you yes. with your garden, right? Yes. So how do chickens help your garden? Like, that's fascinating to me. Okay. So how they help is they do two jobs. They add um, one part 
the four elements that we need for composting, they add the nitrogen. Their their food <laughs> is the nitrogen source. And and how they um, – another way that they help is they do this thing called scratching, and that's the same thing as turning over. So how in a composting barrel, every couple of days you have to go out and you have to turn it. Chickens naturally do that. So as turning it by scratching, they're dropping uh, the nitrogen and any moisture, and that kind of helps speed up that process. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, I know that you're big on um, the community and resources. And in, in fact, you're you're doing a community garden now. Yeah. Um, so I'll have you touch base, however order you want to talk about it, touch base on your community garden and how that's going. And also, how can we get, you, you talk about resources all the time because you're just always, I don't know, <laughs> looking into things. So how could we become better? Um, utilizers of our resources out here that we don't even know anything about. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll start with the community garden first, so that way I don't forget about that. So the community garden um, is in the Linden area. Um, Hardin Clinic. Hardin Clinic is a, a free uh, faith-based clinic where we offer free medical care. But outside of the clinic, there are 10 garden spots that are for rent. And every year, Lowe's donates two plants um, for each for each slot, and it's five dollars for the entire year. So um, I feel like you can't buy one meal for five dollars. If you can, you know, five dollars. But five dollars. Imagine all the things that you can grow in one entire year, starting in the spring, the middle of summer, and then fall crops. Um, but we rent those out to people in the community or even other people who want to um, plant vegetables um, either for themselves or plant vegetables to donate to people who come into the clinic. And they offer them free fruits and vegetables um, wow. to consume. So, I have no idea. Yeah. That's nice. They do that. Okay. Yes. Okay. And your other question was what? I'm sorry. <laughs> was um, the resources that are out there for people that are oh. starting in this new venture. Okay. You know, <laughs> All right. New venture for some, I should say. Not everyone, but. Okay. So pretty much a how do you get started. Yes. All right. So how do you get started? You just plant. Um, we are. <laughs> we just plant. Like what we're doing. Yes. <laughs> you just plant. And um, I'll say the, the biggest advice that I can give to anybody is, um, just know from the very beginning you're going to fail at something. And that's totally okay because that's how you learn as a gardener. Um, but you just start planning. And by living in the city, we have a lot of resources. We have the big box stores that always sell, that always sell plants and seeds. We also have nurseries. Um, you can go to the store and go to a nursery and get say, this is what I want to grow. And the people at the nursery are trained. They know about plants. Um, and they'll tell you what type of plants you can start at, what plants grow good here in our area, or um, what type of soil do you have. Like they, they have that knowledge, but they're also able to um, tell you, like, okay, this is the type of soil, like if you want to do a raised bed. If you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but I want to grow a tomato. They will walk you through getting a tomato plant. They will give you a, a pot, and they'll tell you this is the type of soil. And even the little stickers that come on it tells you how often to water it and how much sun to put in, you know, whether it needs full sun or partial mm -hmm. sun. So that's the biggest thing. Um, another good resource is everyone has smartphones. YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is your friend. Um, don't try and reinvent the wheel. 
people have already done it. You don't have to risk making mistakes. Learn from someone else's mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, read plenty of books. There's a lot of gardening books. There's a book called um, The Market Gardener. Um, this young man, he's um, he lives in Canada, but he uh, he really works on what do I need to do to make this garden uh, work for me and I can make money doing these things. So he's learned a lot, but he's also put it all in a book on for you to use on a big scale and a small scale. Okay. Um, what else? OSU um, has an extension office. It's free. They have uh, master gardeners of what they call them. These people take an 18-month course or something like that to learn about every single type of plant and diseases and different things like that. It's absolutely amazing. The service is free. You can call your um, your local extension office, agriculture extension office, or a master gardener, and they can help with those things. Um, and, again, uh, YouTube. Google, <laughs> like the internet is an amazing place. If you don't know something, you can always look yeah. it up and then find out, you know, what people have done wrong and you can learn from them. Yeah, and I'm thinking that you should have a YouTube channel too because we all, there's not enough. I mean, there, there's, you know, you can never have enough, but I think there's not enough and you should be on there because yeah. we could learn a lot, you know. Yeah. yeah okay. That's yeah. in the works. Yeah. If, if I can plug a, a guy's channel, this uh, there's a man in uh, New Orleans. He probably has no idea. I know he doesn't have any idea who I am, but uh, it's an African-American man, and he has his kids and his wife, and they plant, and it's called Grow Family Network, and they plant all type of stuff. But one thing I like about the transparency on his channel is when they mess up, he says, oh, my goodness, this is what, like, he shows you the good, the yeah. bad, the ugly. Yeah. Um, he tells you how to use the resources in his area. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, he's that's a really good channel um, because he doesn't sugarcoat it, but he's going to show you how to what do things. What was the channel? It's called Grow Family Network. Grow Family Network. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Um, so I know you're also big on recycling, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say you're like no waste. That No waste is a thing now. <laughs> and I know, like, we're about, like, no plastics and things like that as much as you can possibly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but um, so what are some things we can do in our community to help our grocery stores <laughs> reduce plastic <laughs> use of that? Okay. I mean, for us. I bring my own shopping bags. I keep those in the trunk. I try to. And if not, I mean, you, they, people give reusable bags away all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, they have produce bags and things like that. Um, but, like, if we want to make a difference, because okay. you're big on making a difference in the community, too, little people know. But, um, <laughs> but you, you're, like, more of an active person. If you want change, you'll actively do it. So. Yeah. What are some things we could do? All right. First thing I would say is vote with your money. A lot of people don't do that. Um, They'll go to someplace because it's cheaper or it's more convenient. I believe in voting with your money. If you're treated bad someplace, do you go back to that place? Um, So you have to shop places that align with, uh, with what you believe in. And if you can't, you make small changes. So aside, bring your reusable bag. If you don't have your reusable bag with you, when you go to the store, do not get plastic. Request paper bags. Make them bag it in paper. Mm -hmm. And then you can compost that paper bag. Um, If you go shop local if you can, local farmers, uh, local small shops, um, you can do that. Um, 
there's a place called Lucky's here. They um, buy from local farmers. Um, and, again, um, one of the things that we can do when you go to the grocery store, um, you'll hear about a lot of farmers that lose a lot of their crops and they lose a lot of money because people want perfect-looking green peppers, perfect-looking cucumbers. Yeah. So when you go to the store, buy the imperfect fruit, buy the imperfect vegetables. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, yeah. Um, well, when you grow it in your yard, they don't look the same. No. They're not, like, identical. It's you not know? perfect, but it's all edible. Well, the kinds are smaller, too. Like, they're smaller. Hmm. They're not you know, genetically modified. Yeah, they're shaped a different Your bell way. pepper may have, like, a spot of orange on it. You know, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so those are some things that you can do. Buy the imperfect. Buy the imperfect. Okay. If you see a, a bunch of bananas, uh, one thing I do in the store that probably drives Kroger crazy when I do go in there, I don't buy the bunch of bananas. I buy all of the single bananas <laughs> because what's going to happen is if no one buys them, they throw them in the trash. Okay. And that farmer, all his hard work or her hard work is down the drain. And, um, and again, that's food that's going into the landfill, and it can be composted or eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing you can do when you're buying um or when you're buying strawberries and grapes and things like that, things that are in plastic. Tell your story, please. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll I'll tell it really quick. So I had a problem with um I'm one of those people that when I go to the grocery store, I take my mason jars. I do the tear weight, I put my zips in there, and then when I check out, the people know. You check out, you take off the tearway to her jars, and that's the cost of the lady with the jars. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have to shop at Kroger, which is fine. Um, and I was upset because I like fruit, but a lot of their fruit, majority of their fruit and vegetables come in those clamshell mm-hmm. containers. In Columbus, Ohio, those are not recyclable. They go straight into the landfill. Okay, so... <laughs> Even with the triangles on the bottom, you always have to um, look at and uh, contact your um, local waste mm-hmm. um, because even though I have the triangle on the bottom, a lot of that stuff is not recyclable. So I wrote a letter to Kroger, and I asked them if there were some things, some changes that they plan to make because a lot of the containers that they sell in their store are not recyclable, even though they have the triangle on the bottom. And, again, it's not Kroger's fault. It's the manufacturer's fault, but whatever. And I asked them what they could do. And I got a not-so-nice email back, but I asked them what they were going to do to fix this problem because it is a problem and we need solutions. We don't need to be contributing to the problem. And the manager told me that when I checked out to leave their plastic containers at the cash register. So what I do is when I go to Kroger, if I have to buy that fruit, I let them bring it out. And I take the fruit out, and I leave their plastic trash there and let them deal with it. Wow. And so <laughs> it, it causes a conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it does bring a, a conversation, but it also causes them to look at, okay, if one person does it, okay, she's saying. a crazy person. No, but if mo- more people, people do it? Yes, that's what yes. I was going to say. Like if, but if everybody did it. Yes. Then they have to think, okay, these, this trash isn't going home with these people. What are we going to do with this trash? And we're having to spend extra money mm-hmm. to have the dumpsters emptied, you know, every other day as opposed to three times a week or whatever. And you put the you put the problem back on them, mm-hmm. and, and then they will come up with another with the solution. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, is there anything? Because I know this is your passion, things like this. Um, is there anything that you want to say, or anything? 
that you wanted to put out there, um, teaching wise, teaching the people, or just informing us? Oh yeah, um, I guess we can do continue on the whole recycling thing. A lot of people just remember reduce, reuse, and recycle, um, but there are actually five R's to that. And that's refusing, like refusing the things that you do not need. So if you don't need it, and that's need, not want, things that you do not need, you don't take it. So when you're out at festivals and things like that, you don't need that extra ink pen. Like an ink pen lasts us a year and a half. Like it just, you know what I mean? So refusing things you don't um, you don't need, um, reducing the things that you do need. So um, having like um, something that you can have multiple uses for. I'm trying to think of, like, an example. Like, people have different um, kitchen tools for different things. If you don't use it all the time, you don't necessarily need, need that. Mm-hmm. So um, refusing what you don't need, reducing what you do need, um, refusing, reducing, recycling. So things like plastics and um, glass, if you can, glass, um, and then metals. Metals are, and glass are two things that are good to recycle, mm-hmm. not all plastic. Plastics can be recycled. Right. Um, and we talked about that with the clamshells. Uh, mm-hmm. Reusing the things that you do have, so like reusable water bottles, uh, mason jars, um, even like if you have milk jugs, don't throw the milk jugs in yeah. the recycling thing. Use them for watering cans or cut them open and put dirt in them and Very put hot. herbs or different yes. things in them. Yep. Uh, Same thing with the water bottles. People are doing a lot with water bottles, um, planting. Or, you know, putting dirt in them and seeds or a green onion. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice to kind of do for kids to, you know, mm-hmm. teach them how to plant and let them be aware. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I had uh, my little cousin and um, Tasia's daughter. We I had them watching um, videos. I watched a turtle get rescued. It's probably the one that big video that went viral, but I really felt bad when I saw that turtle, when they had um, got that straw that was almost like trying to decompose in his nostril, and they pulled that thing out of the turtle's nose, the poor thing, like the nose bled and stuff, and, you know, they let him go, the sea turtle, and I was like, oh my gosh, forget your straws, I immediately bought, like, reusable straws, because paper, bamboo straws, um, well, a lot of workplaces are doing away with plastic straws like our job um the um, hospital they use paper straws now and I was just funny because it was like well after when I started using reusable straws but um yeah I was like okay so people are getting hip you know because really you think oh I just threw this away in the landfill but you don't know like your stuff can end up in the water somehow you know in your plastic bottle so one I also got sick of plastic bottles, so I went on ahead. I don't have my Berkey filter that I want because it's pricey, but I just went on ahead and got a regular filter for my sink, and especially when all this quarantine thing started, I was like, I'm not going to be stacking up on water. I'm sorry. Bottled water? Yes, it's not as well yet. Then I'm, you know, so I did away with bottle wa- bottles of water, and I feel that I feel good about that, you know. And if I do buy anything, I do buy the jugs. Um, but I just hate having thousands or contributing to the thousands of water bottles. Yeah, you know, and we're just paying for water. Mm-hmm. Paying for bottled water is kind of like crazy. People are wasteful with the bottles of water. They don't drink the whole thing. So and wasteful. Then, 
they waste the water, and then with the plastic, it's all. Yeah, it just gets everywhere. When You know what? I got sick of it. When I started pulling, like, helping, honestly, kids clean up, and I found bottled, bottled water, no, plain crushed up bottles, plastic bottles, I got very irritated. And I was just like, oh, no, we're not doing this anymore. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I just feel like I'm helping contribute by doing that. So, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what else? Oh, yeah. the cycle. And then the last R is rot. So, rotting things, which we mean composting things that, um, that you can compost. So, food scraps. No meat, um, no meat or grease or things like that in compost, yeah. things yeah. like that. That attracts rodents. Um, but um, composting things um, that can be composted. So what you compost, you can put around flower beds, um, in your vegetable garden, but that reduces what goes to landfill. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, because they don't actually see it, it's like out of sight, out of mind. It is. It you makes know. you feel better. Yeah, you but know. I mean, you're like, get this out of my house. Yeah. You know, but... but it's a bigger problem. It really is. And the fact that most cities, like even Columbus, they just did, they just um, dug a new re, uh, landfill. Um, and you think about all the ways that have to go there and how things don't break down and then um, the toxic fumes that come up. Yeah. Just, but also remember, it's not just the toxic fume, fumes that go up into the atmosphere. Somebody has to work. Yes. In that landfill. Yeah. So imagine what that what that's doing to someone's up. That's someone's father. That's someone's brother. That's someone's you know those are that's someone's family member that's breathing in all these toxic fumes. And so it has a bigger impact than just oh well. That's so true because I had I worked with um, a place where you know people were just getting on their feet and we would find them housing and resources and treatment and things like that. And one of um, I remember there was a lady that would go out and she would work and she would come back and she would clean her nose. Like one time she used one of the rags we gave her, white rags. She cleaned the inside of her nose. She was like, look at all this black dirt mm-hmm. coming out of her nose. As she, like, almost like if you wiped a booger or wiped some snot out, she was doing that. She did it several times. And I was like, what is that? How did you get that? Like, I was concerned. I'm a nurse. So, like, I'm concerned. And she was like, that's trash. I work with trash. I stored it. Yeah, and I was like, "What?" Like I was, I mean, with a mask, and that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah, with a mask, <laughs> with a mask. <laughs> she had a mask on. People think this mask is saving them. No, <laughs> but no. she had a mask, and I was very. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. It was nothing I do, you know. But I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, you know. So that made you brought that back to my remembrance. Um, when you said that somebody does have to work there. Yeah, you know. So wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I didn't even know they started a new landfill. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we're going to fill up. Yeah. We're going to try to fill up. We're going to try not to fill up. We're going to reduce it. We're going to put that. See, it'd be nice if we can put it out of business. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, I did find something interesting by um, when I was looking into resources, and I did come across a company. Let me see if I can look them up real quick. And, you know, that no waste movement, like, I mean, people that will not buy things unless they are able to, mm-hmm. like, not have anything. No packaging. <laughs> no packaging at all. I mean, there's a book called Zero Waste Home. If you if you can, grab that book from the library. Um 
But even if you don't implement all of those things, implement some of those things in your life. This woman, I think her name is Bea Johnson. She has been able to uh, live zero waste. And when I say zero waste, oh I mean zero waste with a husband and two kids and a dog. She's been able to live like that for eight plus years. So her book okay. is uh, um, Zero Waste Home. So if you can, I'm again, just implementing some things. Well, I know it's called, I don't know if I can pronounce it, E-T-E-E. E-T-E-E. And I would forget what it stands for, but it was something like everything turns into everything else. Mm-hmm. And they have um, everything is either reusable or it's just no waste. Like their dishwasher, because I was like, okay, dishwashing liquid. It can get really deep if you really want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like the dishwashing liquid, we buy it in plastic bottles, mm-hmm. but they have it so that it's wrapped up in wax. You know, and so when they need some soap, they just cut the tip and they pour it out, you know, because there's no way, like, they don't have to worry about that piece of plastic. They're not contributing. Last week we talked about how plastic never breaks, never Never decomposes, you know. So, like, if we're still manufacturing and still putting out all this plastic, it's got to go somewhere eventually. So it would be nice if people turn it into something else and turn it into something else, like I know the people that made blankets, but and I have my blanket for forever, but it's just I don't know. I thought that was neat that um, you know they're reusable bags, and then if anything, like I think you can just compost the stuff, mm-hmm. most of it. Yeah. So I mean, but even with our toothbrushes, you have you and I, bam- we yeah, have the, the toothbrushes that are the bamboo, so the when bamboo, we're done, we're you can just them. compost yeah. them, or yeah, it's, yeah, that's amazing too. So it's like I mean, it becomes. Like every little thing, we start to become aware. It's like, okay, this is a plastic toothbrush. What do you do with it? Like, I honestly used to throw it in a recycle bin. But then I found out about bamboo toothbrushes. You just use it, and then when you're done, you just you compost it if you want to. Well, I'm just, I, I guess I got to get a bamboo toothbrush. <laughs> Bella has a bamboo toothbrush. <laughs> the dog has a bamboo toothbrush. Um, Yes. So it's all about, you know, we just. We do better. We try to do better when we learn and things like that. I appreciate it. Anything else you're passionate about that you would love to share? I mean, I know you can keep going, but you keep going. That was good. That was good. Um, so let me see if there are any anybody that has any questions or comments. I think you just hit one if you do. I don't see anybody right now, but... That was awesome, Latavia. Thank you. I learned a lot. I was trying to write down at the same time. Um, anything you have for her, Tavia? I don't. Um, that was great. Yeah. Thank you, Octavia. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> you. Making a difference in the world. Yep. Every oh. every person, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, like I said, we all, we all have one thing that we can do. I know. I can just turn you off to my shirt and y'all can read it. But okay. This is kind of what like I live by. Oh, okay. I'm going to read it. It says, when the last tree is cut, the last fish is caught, and the last river is polluted, when to breathe the air is sick. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, hold on. Let me start over, guys. When the last tree is cut, the last fish is caught, and the last river is polluted, when to breathe the air is sickening, you will realize too late that wealth is not in bank accounts and that you can't eat money. Alanis, 
on. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is to focus on is, um, you know, when we talk, talk about being good stewards, most people think about um, being a good steward of your money, but it's about yeah. being a good yeah. steward of your resources. So, you know, whether it's the food that you have, how much food are you wasting? Um, you know, when it's the clothing, do you need new clothing all the time? You do not. Do you need new shoes all the time? Um, if Say if some place, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. You know, it's just using what you have. And if you have to have something, does it always have to be brand new? Um, can you buy something secondhand and not contribute to fast fast fashion? That's a totally different subject. But um, things like that. Do you have to drive like two minutes at the block? Why can't you walk or bicycle? Um, so just thinking about those things when you have a small plot. Of land, I have. Uh, I, I don't know if we talked about it at the beginning. Yeah. I have. They consider a fifteenth of an acre. That is what I have. And yes, that's how fifteenth of an acre, and that includes my front yard, my house, and my backyard. But just using what you have, and I could say, oh, I want five acres and all this. I can say what I want for my dream, mm-hmm. but the, the reality is, is I can grow every bit of my food on that fifteenth of an acre, better, and and be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to realize that. Hey, oh, that was, <laughs> yes, yes, that was great. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this was a good time. I'm glad um, we were able to have you on here, Octavia. Thank you. And. Yeah, so hopefully people, um, everyone listening, we learned something today that we can actually start with. It just starts with starting, you know, just doing something. I started composting just two, two, almost three, two years ago, and I didn't do nothing with that dirt. The dirt actually just really breaks down. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I was just interested in my own compost, and then it just, Every, listen, it really, if whatever you put on your mind, before you know it, there was a compost bin. I looked at composting bins that were expensive. I'm like, I'm not buying that. But then, like, just happened to just stumble upon Aldi had one for me. It was just sitting right there with my name on it, you know. It was in the price range that I wanted that I was willing to pay for, it, and that thing has been there. And now I'm finally into trying to grow some crops. And I can now use that compost. So it's just like starting somewhere. And if not, I was just going to give the compost to you because, I mean, I didn't know what else to do. And I even wanted to start, what was it, the worm? The worm bed. The worm bed. I was really into that. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm into contributing. Yeah. I may not be able to do it all, you know, like, but, you know, starting somewhere and you never know. The start of a thing can yeah, like TD Jakes, I heard him say something like that. Like the start, the start of a thing can start other things. You yeah. just never know what's going to come become of it, or what's going to come out of it. You may find your passion, you know, just by getting your hands dirty, you know. And you know what I learned is that when you do garden, like you know, we use the gloves and stuff. Your hands are still going to get dirty, but like it is good to like, like honestly, I used to be so germaphobe and stuff like that, but. I touch the compost bin. I'm just like, all you got to do is wash your hands, you know, if you just open it up and touching or even the trash can. But what I learned is that there are enzymes in the dirt that are good for your body, very beneficial. So it's like if you're gardening, that's why people feel better. You know, that's why it, it 
uplift your mood. You're no longer depressed because you've received some nutrients just from touching dirt. You know, and we're so like anti dirt and germaphobe and stuff like that. When the actual dirt getting dirty is good for you. Like throw your kids in the garden. You know, like you know, like it's just it's just interesting. Like the more you start to learn and the more you start to, you know, just start something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Yeah. But yeah, so well, we appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, we have a few announcements. We do have a few announcements. Thank you so much, Asia. Um So the name change webinar is May 30th at 11 a.m. Yeah, I believe it's $50. Mm-hmm. Um, Akeem is hosting it, and just go to akeeml.com. Um, and, yeah. Yep. You don't want to miss that. That's very that's reasonable and very important. <laughs> important to me. It is. And you know, Tuesday we have uh, my King show on Truth Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. And then Friday. Friday is a King Junior. He has his show. Mm-hmm. And you know, every Thursday is us. Um, we're gonna try to be on there next be week. Back. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Um at seven. So tune in. We appreciate everyone for listening and we hope you all learned something. And have a blessed weekend. Be safe out there. Nice long weekend this weekend. Um yeah. So take care everyone. Good night. <laughs>